Super Talk Mississippi media production. Fordofcorinth.com is having a 2023 inventory blowout sale. Check out all of last year's models in the lot, which must be moved. Bring your enthusiasm and your down payment. Let our team of finance professionals remove the test so you can just drive off our lot. Fordofcorinth.com. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, March, I think, like 20th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. It is Mailbag Friday. The People's Quarantine is back. Uh, we've got a couple of different things for you today. We uh, we, we re- uh, borrowed a show. I, we had an idea from the radio show that we didn't use yesterday. Uh, best athletes performances you've seen of all time. So, uh that uh, got Richard all hot and bothered, so it's 100% worth it, and uh, we got some pretty <laughs> solid responses to that because uh, the radio show has never, ever once used a content idea from the Rebel Report podcast, not even once, not even like an Oklahoma City Thunder beat writer five <laughs> days ago. Well, Nothing in fairness, that was, that was my call to use that on the radio show but it's you know. almost like we all work for the same company though um anyway so we've got that going on uh i was gonna do the hangover uh, rig scenes but i think i might hold that to money i'll tease it today because i only got a chance to watch the first one uh instead of the second one because i may or may not have fallen asleep eating a bag of chips trying to get through the second one so uh, i might tease that and save it for monday because we've got plenty of time to uh to get to that so anyway what's up uh, you've got two co-conspirators today. Um, little guy just, it was too early for a nap. We're recording slightly earlier than usual. So uh, I've got a co-host at the moment. He's sitting next to me. He's behaving at the moment. Um, but I'll make sure I, I, I mute and unmute my microphone. So in case he starts acting up, he's been awful chatty this morning. So in nice, case he starts nice. well, maybe acting have up, I'll, I'll mute him so he doesn't, uh, you know. Everybody thinks their baby and all the noises they make are cute, like myself included. I think every sound he makes is the cutest thing I've ever heard. But I have learned that most people do not agree, so I'll I'll make sure to keep that at a minimum. Well, if he uh, if he pees his pants, I wouldn't want him to be by himself. So I could also do so in solidarity. Just let me know. We uh, <laughs> we we uh, we'll just get right into it. We got a few questions. We uh. We all, but most of them were the uh, sports performances either. I I actually got a bunch from uh, Snapchat because I'm an avocado-eating millennial. I basically just sent it to a bunch of my friends. And uh, we got a bunch of different responses. Hey, you still use Snapchat? I do. We uh, So it's interesting. I haven't put up a Snapchat story in I, – I swear, I swear I'm not making this up – probably two years. But, like, it, there, I have a core group of friends. I would say it's between – 15 and 25 people that I Snapchat pretty regularly, just like funny or stupid stuff that like happens throughout the day. So I use it for that, but it's also like, I feel like it, it, like people like to lump all young people in as millennials. The next generation uses Snapchat for everything. I don't know if you know this, but like people, my youngest brother's age, who is, I guess, six years younger than me, like that's how they communicate. Like, like over texting any other form, like they use Snapchat for everything to whereas like, I remember getting a Snapchat when I was a senior in high school. We were at a New Year's Eve party, and I woke up the next morning and had Snapchat on my phone. And I'm not going to incriminate myself, but I was like, what the hell is Snapchat? What is this? And that's how I kind of learned what Snapchat was. So we were kind of the beginning of it. I don't use it a ton, but uh, I still, uh, yeah, I use it for like uh, 
just like personal humor, I guess would be the way to describe it. Do you use Snapchat? Um, I used to, but I mean, then I got married and it was like the only person that I was Snapchatting at that point was like two of my buddies and my wife. So like, why would I use an extra app when we can just do it via text message, I guess? Right. No, I mean, I mean, most of my friends were, I'm approaching 30, like, uh, well, sort of, I've got two years remaining, but most of my buddies are like 29 and 30 plus. So we're not really in the Snapchat demographic anymore. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I hear that. I will put it this way. So that when I was a senior in high school, like I mentioned, it kind of came around and came big. So Snapchat was really taken off at the beginning of college. So I think I speak for myself and pretty much everyone my age. If someone ever taps into the Snapchat cloud and gets access to the photos you've sent, we're all toast. No one's ever getting jobs. Uh, like it, it's game over if that ever happened. So, uh, Please Russia spare Snapchat if you take over our entire internet waves. But anyway, I got some responses from that. We uh, we have LB's Greg on to kind of tell you what he's got going on at the store throughout what has been a uh, pretty crazy week for not only him, but most all local business owners uh, this week. But basically just kind of let him uh, kind of give the, uh, the spiel on what they got going on at the store. A lot of ground beef. A lot of takeout ready-made type things. I'm probably going to go see Greg to, uh, tonight, or excuse me, today to just kind of see what's going on. Or to eat dinner tonight. I can't talk today. But throw something on the grill and self-quarantine appropriately if it'll ever stop raining. As if we don't have enough great things going on in the world right now, we have been blessed with a gray, cold Friday morning rain. So we got that going on. Uh, I think that's pretty much wraps up the terrible job teasing the show I did. But... uh. Let's get right into this completely original, never-before-used idea of greatest athletes and performances you've ever seen. So here we go. I, here, before I read some, we got the most common one. So uh, were you around in 2010, or was your first year of college 2011? Uh, fall of 2010 was my first year, so I did get to see Cam Newton uh, come to Oxford. and. That- that's the first one. If, if you were in the stadium that day and probably don't have that on your list, you either have seen some of the greatest sporting events of all time or you did this thing completely wrong. Because that was when, when Richard asked us to do this for the show yesterday, that was my number one on the list immediately, hands down. Didn't even hesitate. That was yeah. unbelievable. That touchdown catch was uh, wow. I, I mean, and the thing is, like, for a second, you thought Ole Miss maybe had a chance in this game, right? Because what was it, Jeff Scott? Uh, return the opening kickoff for a touchdown, or, or maybe not. It was like the first or second play of the game. and It was like a trick play. It was one of those things where they kind of hit him behind the line of scrimmage because it was the classic, like, just uh, superficial Houston nut thing. They were a terrible team, so they came out in these gray jerseys to get everyone fired up. They ran the stupid gimmick play that worked, and he just kind of snuck down the sideline for 70 yards, and then Auburn didn't punt the rest of the game. <laughs> That was the best yeah, I mean, I've I just ever pulled seen up the box score. Um, I mean, Cam wasn't spectacular that day. It was more Michael Dyer. I don't remember him being this great. I mean, he had 180 yards. I just I remember seeing Cam Newton and thinking, hey, okay, here's his numbers. He was 18 of 24 for 209 and two touchdowns. Uh, he only ran for 45 yards um, in the game. But I remember after that game thinking, I'm so sorry. Um, he's just he's he agrees. Just, yeah, he's, uh, he likes my Cam Newton take. Um, I remember walking away from that game, though, thinking that is the most dominant athlete in college football history. 
Well, yeah, because it's it, it's not even just that he like he, he may have not been like totally great that day, but it's the idea that he threw, ran, and caught a touchdown. And then I've never, not even like Tebow, I've never seen an athlete where it was like third or fourth and two, like you, like particularly in college, two, three yards, and it was already over. Like you were not stuffing him on third or fourth and short. He was going over you no matter if you were a defensive tackle or a safety. It was unbelievable. That was the greatest, like I said, greatest offense I've ever seen in person. The second one that we got the most of that I did not – I couldn't use this on my list because I was I didn't see this in person. Dexter McCluster versus Tennessee in 2009. Do you remember this at all? Obviously, you weren't in school yet then, but at, what I wasn't did, did, there. Did played on nationally. Uh, I do remember the game. And uh, here, I'll pull up the box score for that too. But that was one of those things where – and it doesn't happen in football all that often. I know we just mentioned Cam Newton. And another one I'll bring up is the two times Johnny Manziel – uh, went to Oxford. Those were they, that's the third one. They he was just beyond special. But it's not that often where one player wins you a football game. But it felt like Dexter McCluster by himself beat Tennessee. Oh, he a hundred percent did. I'm about to let's see if we can find. Here we he, go. Ole Miss Tennessee November fourteenth, two thousand nine. Ran for um, two eighty two three twenty four oh. all purpose. In a 42 to 17 win, <laughs> he ran for 282 yards in an SEC game. Oh, wow. He scored on runs of 15, 23, 32, and 71. That was Ole Miss's first win against Tennessee since 1983. I guess that's not totally shocking because they don't, particularly back then, they don't play, they didn't play very often. But it, it was. Like the only time actually in my lifetime I remember Ole Miss playing Tennessee, Orgeron took a terrible team up there and lost, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess that's not totally shocking, but that just seems like a long time. Uh, that was the second year of Nuts Cotton Bowls. Uh, obviously, you know that if you've been around here for a while, but like that was the year Jevin Sneed really stunk and really struggled. And like that was a game amidst a year of that was somewhat frustrating that uh that was kind of to me that was the highlight of that year uh and then a couple weeks later i think they beat lsu uh, that was they beat lsu in oxford because uh miles did the spike it with one second left but if you talk about one game you remember from that year i would say this is the one over the lsu one maybe i'm wrong well that sorry i had to unmute myself that uh that LSU game, I mean, the way it ended and the way they won, as funny as it was, and people love to make fun of Les Miles, and I understand why, because his clock management was something to behold, but that's how you won the game, uh, on a blunder. You beat Tennessee by just one athlete's domination. I think that win is more enjoyable. Uh, take away the opponent, because beating LSU is probably, for Ole Miss fans, more enjoyable than beating Tennessee like 100 times out of 100, but like the way the game shook out, I know... Like, there was still a, a very long shot that LSU's winning anyway, but that's how it ended. Like, it's more funny that they spiked the ball with one second left to lose the game instead of Dexter McCluster ran for almost 300 yards and had over 300 all-purpose yards in a route of Tennessee. That, to me, is more, like, memorable and enjoyable than Les Miles trying to spike the ball with one second left. But that's just me. No, 100%. You're dead on with that, and it's... <laughs> It, yeah, the last miles is just kind of humorous, but that was also a big win at the time for him. But like this one was just domination. And of course the symmetry there, of course, is this was Lane Kiffin's only year at Tennessee. And of course now he's the head coach at Ole Miss. But if you want to know how dominant 
Dexter McCluster was that day. Ole Miss won 42-17 to with its Heisman hopeful quarterback going 13-20 of for 133 and a pick. I mean, Brandon Bolden was the second leading rusher with 11 carries for 46 yards, and he scored two touchdowns. Uh, Shea Hodge was the leading receiver, five catches for 77. Dexter McCluster McCluster only caught four passes for 42 yards. This was pretty much, I'm going to run over you, around you, and past you. Uh, And didn't Lane Kiffin tell a semi-famous story to where he's kind of like, hey, please go get me one of those? I think so, yeah. Something like that. But, man, that was a... uh, that was an unbelievable individual performance. That was the most pop. Those two were the most popular, along with Manziel's 2012 and 2013 performances. Yeah, dude, are in you Oxford. ready for these numbers in 2013? Yeah, just go ahead. They get lumped in together. I would argue that he was a better performer in 13, but the more devastating performance to me was in 12 because he just ripped old Mrs. Guts out the first year of Hugh Freeze. Yeah, so in 2012, uh, rather pedestrian 17 of 26 for 191, a touchdown and two picks, also ran for 129 and a touchdown. 2013, he was 31 of 39 for 346, no touchdowns and one pick, but he ran for 124 yards on 19 carries and two touchdowns. Threw for 346, ran for 124. At Ole Miss in one <laughs> And his when he runs for 124, it feels a lot worse because he was so hard to bring down that it wasn't a direct, I'm going to run for 124. Like, how much yardage do you think he covered running for 124 <laughs> yards that day? Is like that, that was the most yeah. frustrating part of if you were a opposing defense trying to game plan against Manziel. He was on my list as well. He was the third one I had. Uh, the one in between is kind of random. I'll get to it in a second. But he was on there as well because for all the for his legacy, as much as it's been tainted by what he's done since then, uh, his his two years in college were unbelievable. Like he was almost like if Cam was the most dominant, I think I would rather watch Manziel. It was unbelievable to watch that guy. Yeah, and it's it's just a shame what's happened to him after that. Cam was more dominant. Johnny was more exciting, I think. Definitely. And then along those lines, you mentioned, as I, I agree, that the 2013, definitely the better performance. But you talk about ripping Ole Miss's guts out. Ole Miss was trying to break, like, I think, like almost a two year long non conference losing streak. And they led 17 to, or 27 17 with seven minutes to go in the game and lost 30 to 27. They scored with a minute and 40 left. He threw a 20 yard touchdown pass to Ryan Swope. Blast from the pass there. With a minute 46, and they held on to win the game. But he rushed the first touchdown he rushed for uh, to complete the comeback. He ran for 29-yard touchdown with 624 left. I guess they get the ball back. I probably should. We, we, we have a while without sports. We should probably. That would might be a good game to go back and rewatch. Uh, and then my uh, former college roommate, uh, just a sidebar here, had a, had a decent idea. Uh, last night he texted me. He's like, "Why don't you uh, do the worst performances you've ever seen a person?" That might be an interesting list <laughs> because uh, um, let's pull up the 2012 season or 2011 season. Yeah, you could probably get to five just based on that. But I remember I wasn't at the 2012 game with Ole Miss and A uh, and M either with Manzel, but I was watching on television, and that was very much more so like they just absolutely ripped Ole Miss's guts out in that game. It was a similar way in 2013. 
but not as bad. Um, but that was those were two pretty just unbelievable performances because he was going to drive down and score, and there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. So that kind of covers the top three, I would say, responses we got. We got some random ones. or I'll just complete my list, and then you can complete yours. My second one is just an athlete, John Wall. Uh, my parents used to go to the uh, in take us to the SEC basketball tournament for spring break when we were kids. And I, for whatever reason, like when you're – like I was like 12, 13 around, I guess, that age at that point. And like I knew what was going on, but I didn't like really appreciate like who and what we were watching. And I remember John Wall in a couple games and that just being the first time of like, holy hell, this guy is quicker than everyone on the floor. So I put John Wall in there because he, he in college is for as much – injury troubles he's had lately as a pro he was absolutely unbelievable so that's my third one yeah i have not um i've been to games uh, all over i I was kind of lucky in that regard but i don't have many like memorable performances you know what i mean like i never got to see somebody drop 60 in a game or something like that the only ones that i can remember are uh like dante moncrief's night against mississippi state in 2012 that was special um but by and large, like any game I, I've went to, it's only because of who they are is what makes it special, not what they did. Like I got to see Michael Jordan play, but he was a wizard. So that's not memorable at all. I saw Barry Bonds play, but he went oh for 3. So that's not particularly memorable either. So any time I've gotten to see somebody special, it's like they didn't really do anything cool when I was there. No, that makes sense. And that's why my list, it turns if it was just sheer performances – is not that decorated. Like I would have had, honestly, I probably would have had Brian Tyrese 40 against Mississippi state on there just for the sheer fact that I haven't been to a ton of basketball games where one guy or one star player has just taken over the game. And that was really honestly, as many basketball games as I've covered here, the first time I've really seen that And Tyree did it a couple of times, but that night, uh, a couple of months ago, I guess at this point, he just kind of felt invincible. Uh, the, another one I had on the list, just as far as athlete went was uh, Anthony Davis. I saw him play a terrible. He and Boogie. It was just two weeks before Boogie tore his AC or tore whatever he tore in twenty. I guess that was the beginning of twenty eighteen. It was the 2017-2018 season. It was an absolutely terrible uh, Grizzlies team. Davis wasn't special that night. He was seven to 13, 21 points. Boogie had twenty four. They played 38, 39 minutes apiece. But seeing those two on the floor at the same time was pretty special. And just saying you've seen Anthony Davis in person is definitely up there on the list for me. So that was another one I had. Yeah, I got to see him um, drop a triple double a few years ago. Uh, I think it was against Utah. It was against Utah, and it was points, rebounds, and blocks. Hey, he just he had one of those nights. Um, and that was pretty cool. They ended up losing the game too, but that was fun. Um, he's a hell of a player. His problem is just physicality. He just, he does not want to play the five at all. And if you get him up against a pretty physical big, if we ever get the NBA back, I mean, I, I've even seen some LA based media people like Fox sports radio types, like Doug Gottlieb finally realized that, Hey, maybe, uh, he, even though he's a top five skill set, uh, he kind of does disappear in the fourth quarter. And he does not match his opponent's physicality sometimes. Like, there are some issues there. He's not some god that everybody thought that he was, and now the Lakers are the greatest team to ever be assembled. But that's uh, probably a conversation for a different day. I had trouble finishing this out just because, like I, like you mentioned, my in-person performance thing is uh, fairly limited. 
but I guess just in terms of athlete, I did see Tebow in person. I have seen the marking the Trenton Richardson deal where he doubled Deke Sinquez uh, in 2011 was pretty insane. But like, how much stock do you really put into that? Because that was the worst Ole Miss team of the last half century. So like, I just don't know how much stock to put into it. Cause like you saw so many performances against that 2011 team to where it's just like, I, I don't like, like I said, I don't know I don't know how much stock you can put into that. Cause they were so bad, but Trent Richardson was pretty special in college. Uh, obviously Amari Cooper was another one, Julio Jones, uh, but I, I, I just don't remember a ton of individual performances. I'm sure if I really sat down and went back through all the games I've seen through the years, I could get it. But it was just hard to remember performances because I haven't had that many that have just immediately stuck out. Uh, but you got anything else as far as performances or just athletes you've seen that have really stuck out? Uh, not really. Bonds, Jordan, um did see Cam Newton when he was in college. Uh, I got to see Jameis Winston in his infamous 30 for 30 year. In San Francisco. Um, well, we stayed in San Francisco, but went across the bay to watch them play Oakland in the worst stadium I've ever seen in my life. And Tim Hudson was the pitcher for the A's that night. This was a long time ago. Um, we went out there. Uh, my dad's in the tire business. He's he's with Michelin, and, and they're, they own BF Goodrich and, uh, and Uniroyal. And... Outside of San Francisco in Sonoma, they have a, a road course. Where, so NASCAR, I think twice a year, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to uh, have road course races So where they weren't just turning left. And they had one out in Sonoma. And immediately after the NASCAR race, a, a different uh, series, uh, it was called Trans Am, ran immediately after the NASCAR race. So we got to sit, like, on top of the, the – um, the, the buses or, or trailers, like the team trailers. We got to sit like on the infield among the NASCAR people for this race. So it was awesome. Uh, I don't like NASCAR. I do not watch it on TV ever. Like even the Daytona 500, I, I don't watch it. In person, it's awesome to go to. Uh, so we were out there for that and then caught a baseball game and found cheap tickets because nobody goes to games in Oakland. Like 20 rows up behind home plate and uh, they were playing the Giants that night and Bonds wasn't any good, but still seeing Barry Bonds was awesome. Steroids or not, that guy's a legend. I don't care. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree on that. I just, I'm trying to think what, I mean, I saw Walker Bueller pitch this last summer. That'll probably end up being kind of one of a household deal. He mowed down the Marlins at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I mean, I've seen Trout and Otani in person, but like nothing like crazy performance wise. Um, not really a performance thing, but that crazy that baseball game in Baton Rouge on Sunday last year was the craziest baseball game I've ever seen in person. The Parker Caracy LSU hits like three home runs in a row, scores six runs with two outs type of thing. But aside Didn't from Ole that, Miss come back on Mississippi State like down six runs or something in the ninth. Yeah, that was twenty fourteen when State. That was all. That was Ole Miss's Omaha year, and State had a really, really rough team, if I'm not mistaken, last year because that was the deal. In fifteen, they went from worst to first and won the SEC the next year, um, if I'm not mistaken. So State was really bad that year, and Ole Miss was good. That was interesting. I was actually at that game that you're talking about. I don't remember all the details of it though. I'm trying to find it here because I remember that being crazy. I remember being absolutely smashed. No, it wasn't fourteen because they won. 12 to 2, and that was at Mississippi State. So maybe 15? 
Oh, it must have been. I had graduated by then because I was I was in the left, and I I barely I just I, I don't really remember. So I guess uh, it was fifteen then. I got my years off. All right, let's see. Yeah, because it wouldn't have been fourteen because fourteen we almost had an old Miss Mississippi State super to go to Omaha. So right. you're right, it would have been fifteen. It's fifteen. It was eight to seven the final in ten innings, and uh, so it was seven to three going into the bottom of the ninth. No way. It was hold on, I can't do math. Yeah, it was seven to three. Going into the bottom of the ninth, and Ole Miss put up a five spot. Seven to two. And Ole Miss put up a five spot in the bottom of the ninth to send it to extras and they won in the bottom of the tenth. Yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty crazy. I'm trying to think just individual performances. I think that's really if I have someone else come to mind, I'll blurt it out. But let's get to other people's uh, that we had submitted. I'm going to go through these stupid Snapchat uh, screenshots that I probably could have cataloged better. Uh, one, We had one submission that said, I played Rico Gathers in the state semifinals in basketball when I was a freshman. He scored 40, went to Baylor, and then became a Dallas Cowboys tight end. I would say that's a pretty good submission. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to play against Marcus Lattimore. And he was, I mean, he was the number one recruit in the country. Uh, a few times, actually, I got to play against him three times, which God bless me because playing linebacker against that dude was humbling. Like I, I played against a bunch of guys that went D one. Uh, it was just a good year in South Carolina high school football, I guess. Um, Martavius Bryant, for example, I got to play against. He was at T.L. Hanna, the the high school where Rudy was. May he rest in peace. Um, Dylan Thompson, who played at South Carolina, like I saw some guys that went D one. Marcus Lattimore was on a different planet than everybody else. I mean, it's his ability to the speed in which he hit the hole and then the strength in which he did it. Uh, that's what she said. Were, I mean, hard to imagine a guy with that speed and that strength and having to try to tackle him was, it was hard to believe. Like, we came to the sidelines at one point, our coaches were like, man, we don't know what to tell you. It's just he's better than you. Like, there was nothing we could have done. And he was the classiest dude about it, too. Like, did not talk shit, none of that stuff. After the game, was, like, really approachable and nice and just a a good dude. Um, But playing against him was probably the most humbling experience of my life. Gathers 6'6", 280. That's LeBron James, is it not? More Um, or less? More or less. uh, James is probably a little bit leaner. Yeah, at one point in his career, though, I think James has probably been up around the 270, 280 yeah. mark. But like, it's like Zion minus 10 pounds. Yeah, that's a <laughs> – man, if I were on the same floor as that, that's a safety hazard. I uh, – jeez, that's, uh, that's a pretty solid one. Let's see. Monte Ellis dropped like 60-plus one night at a high school playoff game I was at. I actually looked this up. I don't know if this was it, but Monte Ellis was an absolute legend at Lanier back in the day. Uh, this was like when I was like young, young in Jackson. Monte Ellis scored 65 against Greenwood High and then scored 72 against him in the rematch. <laughs> you talk about a dude, even in the NBA, like he had a pretty good career, but just a dude that could uh, just absolutely get a bucket and fill it up. He was uh, he was unbelievable. I tell you what, if you could track down Monte Ellis, he would be a fascinating guest on a radio show or a podcast. Uh, I'm calling dibs now, so Richard can't steal it. But 
we he he was kind of the Warriors before they were the Warriors, you know. Like they drafted Steph and he had the ankle troubles and brought him in the league. And when he and Clay kind of were in their infancy stages, that's sort of, if I remember correctly, what forced Monte Ellis out of Golden State. So like he kind of got a first hand glance at like like he I wonder if he knew those dudes were who they were before they became who they were, if that makes any sense. That's probably somebody I need to to try to track down. Wonder if any of you out there personally know Monte Ellis, please hit me up. I don't know. Uh, I, I could probably figure out how to do it pretty quickly, but uh, I don't. And this state has really produced some basketball players. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This state, well, at one time, I remember, so there was a, there was a gym called MBA uh, over kind of sort of off Old Canton uh, back in the day that we used to play like some like City League type games at. And uh, they had a stat on their wall for a while. Oh, Mississippi, for a little bit, I believe, had the most NBA players per capita of any state in the country. They've produced some hoopers, man. Uh, but Monte Ellis was unbelievable. He was the first like Mississippi basketball legend that I really remember coming up. Um, like when I was a kid, he was he was absolutely unreal. He uh, he had a hell of an NBA career, though. Like, he, kind of quietly, he played a long time. I wonder what Monte Ellis does now. He's not on social media. I tried looking this up the other day. But uh, that's a solid Nothing one. on Wikipedia about his post-career anything. Uh, usually that's a, probably a good thing, right? Because if you're on Wikipedia, you've probably done something wrong. Unless you're, like, a big star, you, if you have a post-career uh, blurb on Wikipedia, it's probably uh, usually bad. But, hell, he played 12 years. He played 2005 to 2017 uh, one most improved player in 2007. Uh, he was a second round pick and still went out of high school. That's pretty unbelievable. He was 40th overall. I actually didn't know that. I don't remember that. Uh, he's only 34, 35. Uh, let's see. Got a six year, $66 million deal with the Warriors in 08, 09. Uh, big time money. Yeah, yeah that is big time money. I would money. take that. Yeah, he's he's probably doing okay. I'm not going to worry about Mr. Ellis and uh, what he's doing right now. But he's let's see, what was his career? He averaged 17, basically 18 points a game for his career. 30 percent three point shooter, uh, five assists, 34 minutes a night. That's I mean that's a good long solid NBA career. Yep. But anyway, that's a good submission. There's nothing nothing like having some guy that ends up playing in college of the NBA just go nuts on your school one night or someone you've seen and uh, being able to live to tell about it. Uh, Randy Johnson threw a shutout against the Red Sox in Fenway is a submission. That would, I, would, I would sign up to see that. I would have loved to have seen Randy Johnson pitch. Yeah, I have a, a Randy Johnson jersey that I got from, um, oh, hell, what was that website called? I forgot now. We're used to buy all the, the, the AliExpress. AliExpress, yeah, and they shut the jersey trade down on that website like last year. Um, yeah, it's a good quality Arizona Diamondbacks throwback jersey that I got for like $22 or something like that. And, and that was uh, back when they were like blue and teal. Yeah, no, it's a sick jersey. I'm I'm very proud of it. And, man, I've probably got – I'm not a big jersey guy. Like, I have a lot, but I don't wear them often. It was really just for like field parties and shit uh, or like crawfish boils or on the lake or something, you know. Uh, and I, I don't wear them much anymore. That was more of like a college thing. But that website used to, I mean, provide. I've got a few thousand dollars worth of jerseys for like $15 a pop. You know, that website was awesome. 
and they're authentic, like etched good jerseys that you would spend 150 bucks on that you get for next to nothing, and now it's gone. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually know it was gone. R.I.P. AliExpress. That's a tough one. The second submission we got from the same guy said he saw the Breeze versus Manning Super Bowl, and then the third one he just added in general was Derek Jeter. That's. Uh, I would say that's two pretty solid ones. That's really good ones. Uh, Breeze Manning Super Bowl would probably be an interesting game to rewatch because I was like old enough but don't really appreciate it. Uh, well, Manning threw the, the pick six that that sealed it. Uh, yeah, that's right, Tracy Porter. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't. Re- I actually watched a YouTube video of Tracy Porter's pick the other day, and I didn't real. I knew it was like to seal the game, but I actually didn't realize what a crucial moment it was in the game. I didn't realize how deep. Until I went back and rewatched, uh, Peyton and the Colts were in Saints territory and threatening to like take the lead and win the game. Uh, I thought it was just kind of one of those icing on the cake deals, and it became famous because it was just kind of an iconic run. But no, that was an absolutely crucial interception. That was something I'd forgotten, I guess, when I until I went back and watched that play. For sure. Uh, random side note because I love I love this uh, Barrett Salee. Um, all around good guy, but big time Falcons fan thinks now that uh, the Falcons signing Todd Gurley makes them the number one team in the NFC South. Uh, God that's bless a, you, Barrett. Yeah, that's a, that's always going to be some good off season fodder. I would say it's still probably the Saints. I would have probably maybe this is blasphemous, but if you're making me pick Falcons or Bucks right now, I'm probably taking the Atlanta Falcons. Their offense should be good. It's whether or not they can stay healthy and stop anybody. So Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley at running back if he's healthy, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and tight end Hayden Hurst. That is a good offense. And that's a good group or duo of receivers. It's a good tight end that's, if healthy, a good enough running back and a, a Hall of Fame quality quarterback. This next submission we got, I wanted to. I was I was looking it up off to the side as we were talking about the Falcons. BYU's first half performance against Ole Miss in the 2014-15 NCAA tournament. This is to me is an all-time underrated one, uh, just, just because of what uh, the way that game played out. Do you remember this game? Yeah, didn't Steph Moody just? I mean, win it by himself. They're down like 23 or 24. So right in the second half. Yes, they were down as many as 20, if I'm not mistaken. But it was 49-32 to 32 at halftime. And BYU had just shot the cover off the basketball from three-pointers in the first half. But Ole Miss, the second half score, Ole Miss outscored BYU 62-41 to 41 in the second half for a 94-90 victory in regulation to, uh, to beat BYU in advance to the round of 64. Because if you'll remember, that was a first-four play-in game. But I'm trying to find just the first-half stats from that game, but I, I can't get it to uh, I can't get it to pull up that way for whatever reason. But BYU was 15 of 29 for three from the game, and that had to have been a better mark in the first half, just because I know they cooled off a little bit in the second half. But Steph Moody in that game scored. Man, remember this game? Moody was 10 of 18 from the field, 26 points, 5 of 9 from 3. I'm about to look up the first half, second half splits. Uh, Blast from the past here, MJ Rett added 20 points and a couple rebounds. Dude, he was money from the elbow. 
Yep, Sebastian Saiz, 10 points in 20 minutes. Saiz was kind of a, like, in-and-out kind of, like, role player. What was left of Jarvis Summers scored 11 points. He had 10 assists, though. Uh, that dude played really hard through some terrible back trouble. Summers was 5 of 21 in this game. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not he great. He had those 10 dimes, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you take 21 shots and you have 10 assists, it kind of cancels out a little bit. But, man, you think at a certain point, AK had to have been screaming, please, God, stop shooting. But, hell, if you score 62 points in the second half and have that many possessions, I guess someone's got to take the shots. Uh, that was a pretty good performance by Moody. But the submission was the way they sh- BYU shot the ball in the, uh, in the first half. And uh, that, to me, is an underrated one because the way they played in the first half was just absolutely insane. Uh, I'm trying to figure out real quick if I can fig- find the box score of that or the first and second half splits or the stat broadcast of it or something. But uh, these team sites get a little hairy when you go towards the end of the year. Then remember the second round game, or uh, for Ole Miss it was the second game. It was the uh, round of 64. Ole Miss just got uh, taken to town by an Uber driver, Matt Steinbrook. You remember that guy for Xavier? I do, yeah. So BYU in the first half, 10 of 15 from three and 16 of 28 from the field. Uh, Tyler Hawes, three of five. Chase Fisher, four of six. And then another guy that was two of three. 10 of 15 from three in the first half. That dog will hunt. Meantime, Ole Miss was 12 of 40 from the field and three of 12. Uh, talk about a tale of two halves in that game. That's a pretty good uh, submission. Uh, the second one he put in, lots of Eli games. Third one, just deuce in general. Fourth, Marshall Henderson versus Oregon. I remember that. That was kind of a uh, gloomy regular season loss in the uh, Tad Pad one Sunday afternoon. And then McCluster versus Tennessee. So that found it out one. A lot more Cam versus uh, Ole Miss in 2010. I think that was most of the ones I got via Snapchat. Let's see. We're kind of bouncing around here, but whatever. Uh, let's see. Cam Newton, Chris Jackson versus Gerald Glass, Michael Jordan. Okay, it was in baseball, Bo Jackson. That's a pretty good list. I would have liked to have seen Bo Jackson if I were alive. Yeah, man. Uh, the greatest athlete to ever live. Um, it's just crazy. That's what I wonder, complete non sequitur. I know the injuries are different, but I, I, that's what I wonder about Tua. And everybody says he's going to come back healthy and all that, and, and that's great. And, and a lot of guys come back 100% and are never the same. I wonder if he'll be that way because – one, he's injury prone. I mean, he has been. I know that's that's not fair, but it's true. And hip injuries are debilitating. Obviously, I know it's different, but that's it's still tough, man. And I just I wonder if if you're Miami, if if that's the the route you take, or I've seen people suggest that New England should trade up for him. I think that's absurd, but people suggest that. I'd be kind of weary of him. I would be a little bit too. I think he's that. I like if you can get healthy though. I think I actually like him better than Burrow as a prospect. It's just the health thing. Uh, there's been rumors. People have been kind of floating out rumors. It's probably some people from around the Dolphins that they're contemplating trading up to get Burrow. Have you seen some of that? Trading up to one. Yeah, and my question is, why would you do that? Because uh, the Bengals owner is cheap. They're oh yeah, I mean, I guess you can get a good deal. I just you, you have such an opportunity to build a competent roster. Why would you throw all of all of those pieces away to just get Joe Burrow? 
You don't have to go get a quarterback right now. And you've got a decent enough stopgap. I know people like to make fun of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you can— He was unbelievable last year. Yeah, with a team that was trying to lose on purpose. Now they've given him a defense, or at least three pieces to make a defense, and you've got five draft picks in the first two rounds. Why would you get rid of any of those pieces to get Joe Burrow? You would have to. It's kind of like anything else in the NFL. It's high risk, high reward in quarterbacks. If you're really convinced that that's your guy, uh, then I guess to do that's it would be reason to do it. But I, I tend to agree. I think you could be patient and be okay. I would honestly, if I were the Dolphins, I would just hang where I was and take Tua. I think if Tua is healthy, he's going to end up being a more talented and better NFL quarterback. So uh, go ahead and scribble that take down for five years to throw back in my face. But uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Along. Uh, Let's see. I'm just surfing through some Twitter ones that we got. I followed uh, John Daly at a golf tournament in Memphis. The mullet, the mustache, the cigarette, and the sound of a shotgun every time his club hit the ball. Uh, Yeah, Pete John Daly driving the golf ball back in the day before everyone did it would have been pretty mesmerizing. Uh, Here's a good one. Calvin Johnson at Georgia Tech multiple times in person. Julio Jones, Matt Ryan in the 2016 NFC Championship. Mike Vick, parentheses, pre-dogs. And then... (laughs) Joseph Martinez, who? Uh, Joseph. Joseph, excuse me. Atlanta United. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's why I had no idea who that is. Okay. Well, we were talking sports, buddy. Um. Anyway, (laughs) um, this is obviously very Atlanta-based, Joseph. Anyway, do you remember Johnson at Georgia Tech at all? I kind of do, but I don't remember any like him dominating anyone. I don't remember it much, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I don't really either. Uh, I don't remember a ton of Julio in college. I know I saw Julio in college at least once. I'm pretty sure twice, uh, but not nothing really that sticks out. Those are pretty good ones, though. Matt Ryan, 2016 uh, NFC Championship. Uh, he was better than Aaron Rodgers that day, and that was the peak of Matt Ryan's career. I don't think he'll ever get back there, but that's a good one. Uh, that was probably been a hell of a game to be at because they blew the doors off them, if I remember it correctly. Uh Here's a really good one. They still Uh, somehow found a way to blow a 28-3 to second half lead in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just don't know if you ever, like, like, I find myself rooting for Matt Ryan to get back in that moment. Because even if he loses again, at least you get another crack at it. But, like, would you rather, if you were in his shoes, get back to the Super Bowl and lose another one in normal fashion or never get back at all? I think I'd rather get back and lose again. Uh, yeah, get back and lose again. Uh, I mean, wouldn't that be validation in a yeah, way? Yeah, because if that's your only Super Bowl memory or experience, that's just – I mean, I would have trouble sleeping. Yeah, I think that would be validation that – as a quarterback, like even if you lose the game, still the fact that you got there twice means a lot for your ability as a player, I think. Like Jim Kelly, everybody talks about the, the Super Bowls he never won, but he went to a few of them. I mean, that's validation for how good of a quarterback he was. No, he never won the game, but he got there a bunch of times. And I think that matters. A hundred percent. And it's just the scar tissue of that being your only moment and you were that close and uh, talk about a re- that's a cliched one, but a rewatchable game. I would love to rewatch that, uh, even though I still kind of remember most of it uh, pretty vividly because it was only a couple years ago. But man, that was that was absolutely nuts. Let's see. Here's a really good one that I had to see to believe. 
uh, from a friend of mine who's an Alabama fan. The 2015 Iron Bowl, Derrick Henry. Uh, are you aware of this, the stat line in this game? I do not remember it off the top of my head. Oh, I don't either. He, he, he provided it to me, and I had to go check to make sure that this was 100% real. And I'm actually going to triple check uh, right now. 46 <laughs> carries, 271 yards, and a touchdown. That's absolutely insane. Auburn, uh, Alabama just kind of grinded their way uh, to a win over a pretty average Auburn team that year. 46 carries for 271 and a touchdown. He was the only uh, the only other running back to have a carry in this game, I think, was Damian Harris, uh, who had one carry. Because Jake Coker was the second leading rusher with three carries for thir- 13 yards. They rode him every single carry of the game. 46 carries, 271, and uh the submission adds twice adds in there that I did not once ever think he was tired. That is insane. And that makes the playoff run this year. Just make it so much more like so much better and make it make so much more sense. The dude's an animal. It sucks that he's not going to get paid what he's probably worth. Yeah. Um, well, what do you do though? I mean, if you're Tennessee, what do you do? Because you've seen another example. I mean, the Falcons were just able to pick up Todd Gurley just because he was out there a couple of years after signing a blockbuster contract. You have multiple running backs now that have signed big deals that simply are not working out. Arizona just traded one uh, to get a wide receiver. I mean, Zeke Elliott, he got big money. He's a really good running back. He's a headache off the field. And um, that's hamstringing their franchise to sign their quarterback. I mean, that, that whole deal was a mess. He never should have gotten it. And in a couple of years, he's going to be obsolete, and they still have to pay him. However, as much of a load as Derrick Henry has taken in his career, he seems physically different, doesn't he? I mean, Zeke Elliott's a great running back. Todd Gurley's a great running back. They are not physically built like Derrick Henry. There has never been a running back physically built like Derrick Henry. So do you think it's easier to give him the money in spite of the, the track record for the position because he is a very unique person? And even though he's, he got physically beat up in college, hell, he was getting 50 carries a night in high school. So his usage rate is really high. But if you, if you do it right, he's different than a Todd Gurley. And, of course, he's still susceptible to injury, but physically he can take the beating of the running back position far more than any other guy that I've mentioned so far. Yeah, I would agree, but it's just a matter of how long he can can he handle it for. Like You just never know, and once it goes, it goes, right? Because I think you kind of thought the same thing with Gurley, and then he starts having knee problems, and it's just over, you know? Yeah. Like immediately. So, like, I mean, I guess you give him like a – I mean, if I were the Titans, just given what he meant to the playoff run, I know you can't put, like, that's Belichick's deal. Don't pay dudes for past performance. I got that. But couldn't you give him three years at, like, 12 to 13 a year if he would take that? Like, I think you could and feel just fine with it. Yeah, give him enough guaranteed money to where it's something instead of just franchise tagging him and then throwing him off to the side in two years. And don't hamstring yourself. But I guess what I'm saying, if I were the Titans owner, and maybe I'm just partial because of what he did last January – like, give him some sort of short-term guaranteed deal. Maybe take a little bit of a haircut on it. Don't, like, cripple yourself. But if you're, if you're giving him four or five 
million dollars that you don't think is worth it towards the end at the end of a guaranteed deal or whatever, I would probably live with that. I would live up to like wasting six, seven million on it just because I think that playoff run was worth it alone. I mean, hell, you see it with quarterbacks all the time. Joe Flacco has one miraculous playoff run and the Ravens paid him an absurd contract because that's just kind of what you do. And I know it probably would have been different if the Titans won the Super Bowl, but they got damn close on the back of one running back. So I don't know. I hope he gets paid. That's a great submission, though. When's the last time you think a, a, a guy went for 46 carries in an SEC game? It may never happen again. Yeah, that may be the last time. I could be wrong. Like, I, there could be someone else out there, but I, I don't remember it. That's uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, Josh, wait, please tell me that's right. Jeremy Johnson started that game for Auburn that year. Uh, blast from the past. Remember how bad he was? He was terrible, and going into the season, um, he was, like, going to be the greatest of all time. The hype machine around Auburn is baffling. Like, I get it for Alabama, but I've never understood. And I think Gus Malzahn's done a better job than a lot of people give him credit for, considering the state that he's in and who he's up against in that state. There's not a coach in America that would be winning at the same level as Alabama at Auburn while Nick Saban's at Alabama. Not one hell. Even Dabo Sweeney, I'd go out on that limb. It, you would not have that equal success in one state with Nick Saban being at Alabama first. I just don't buy it. Um, that being said, the Auburn hype machine, the benefit of the doubt that they've gotten with quarterbacks is mind-blowing. I, I Jeremy Johnson being a great example. He never played before, and it was, yeah, this guy's a Heisman contender. He's the real deal. Where the hell's that coming from? Yeah, he that there was a lot of hype around that dude. That was a uh, that was a huge gigantic bust. Uh, I don't even think he made it through the entire season as the starter. I'm pretty sure they waffled, uh, they waffled back and forth between him and another guy. I can't remember the name, uh, his name at the moment. The next submission we got, I remember seeing this uh, this one, uh, these this team in person twice in back-to-back years, but it was the 2006-2007 Florida Gators basketball team, the back-to-back national champions. That uh, Ole Miss in AK's first year actually met them in the semifinals of the SEC tournament in Atlanta, and Ole Miss might have had an outside chance to make the NCAA tournament had they won that game and made it to Sunday, but uh, got beat by 20. But you talk about a an absolute insane roster uh, this is Al Horford, Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, Tarian Green, Lee Humphrey. Like that, that team was insane. Billy really had it rolling uh, at Florida in those days. Yeah, he did. I remember that. They beat uh, uh, Greg Oden in one of those national and championship games. Greg Oden and Mike Conley, if I'm not mistaken. And Evan Turner, who's been a mainstay in the NBA. Man, that's a lot of talent in college hoops on the floor at one time. That's uh, man, and that, LeBron, not on that team, right? Hold on, how? When did LeBron James? When did he get into the NBA? Because LeBron did say that if he had to go to college, he would have gone to Ohio State. LeBron would have been a bit before that, wouldn't he? It would have been like the oh four oh five range, right? Yeah, he started uh, with the Cavs. Uh, he was in the two thousand three draft. Uh, but still, imagine LeBron James in college. Just in college, one year. So this this is amazing to me. 
the the 0708 team after that ridiculous 0607 team that Billy won the national championship. Wiki, and this is just Wikipedia. It says the the uh, the Gators were actually looking to rebuild after an 0607 season, but won their straight second straight national championship with a completely different roster that included Chandler Parsons, Mo Spates, Nick Kalathis, I think is his name, and another guy, uh, Alex Tyus. Like that, he basically he won this basically entirely different rosters. Like Horford, Brewer, Noah were all gone, and he won a national championship with basically they had seven freshmen and three sophomores on this team. They didn't he didn't have a senior on the roster. That's insane. Yeah, he's a hell of a basketball coach. Yeah, that is a uh, that's absolutely nuts. I didn't realize that, but yeah, that 06-07 team. Was nuts. That's a good submission. I saw them live. They were, uh, they were fantastic. Let's see if we ha- if I missed any more. Uh, no, no, none serious. At least that. Uh, oh, uh, Colin chimes in with Drew Pomerantz, Christian Trent in the 2014 College World Series. The, the, the left fielder from uh, from Tennessee Tech. Who's name? Uh, Nick Osborne, uh, Stefan Moody, senior night against State, and Johnny Manziel, 2013, and then Dex in 2009. Let's see here. I'm missing one more because I got one, at least one more that I know of. Let's see. The the uh, Tennessee Tech left fielder is pretty funny. I uh. I didn't get to watch all of that series, but I imagine that had to be rough. Oh, last one. Cam Newton, Manziel, typical one. Tennessee Tech right fielder turning into Mariana Rivera. Hunter Henry with the touch on a lateral, and then Sinquez pick over O.J. Howard. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good play. That was more play stuff. And then he said, almost went with Trent Richardson two-step on Sinquez, but this is a family website. Yeah. <laughs> the symmetry, Man, that Sinquez pick is unbelievable. With how much higher he had to jump than O.J. Howard to make that play. Yeah, that's the thing you didn't realize at the time, but it's O.J. Howard. And uh, the symmetry in Sinquez's career was pretty incredible because I wrote a story about him a couple years ago about him just kind of being out of football. And like, uh, actually, <laughs> I wrote a story about him getting one last shot with the Oakland Raiders, and then a week after the story published, he got cut in favor of a punter. Uh, so that didn't exactly fan out uh, very well. But the symmetry in his career is pretty wild from – that happening on that 2011 team to him making that pick, and that was really kind of the defining moment of the Hugh Freeze era, was uh, pretty wild because that uh, God, that 2011 team was so bad. But uh, he uh, he kind of saw the best and worst of it. Good dude. Hope uh, Sinquez is doing well. I think submission wise, that's all I ha- that's all we had. Those were some pretty good submissions. The Derrick Henry, a couple of the pro ones, Monte Ellis. We got some good random ones in there. That's uh. That was pretty solid stuff. So, uh, I, let's go to Greg. We'll go to Greg, and then I'll come back and I'll tease the hangover scenes that I'll actually rank on Monday. But uh, here, without further ado, here is Greg on what they've got going on at LBs right now, uh, the obscure things he might be trying to bet on while we don't have any sports, and more. And LB's Greg is back. It's been a couple weeks, and uh, I guess nothing really important has happened in the world since the last time we talked. So, I guess we'll get straight to the XFL Week Six. What's up, man? Oh man, it's just been <laughs> just been a roller coaster around here, but uh, we're hanging in there. I heard that, dude. So, 
obviously, you went 4-0. It was a hell of a way to go out with the XFL. I, from a sports perspective and just from, like, wagering on things, things really hit the fan, like, immediately. I, I was coming home. I was out of town. I was in Fort Worth, Texas for a couple of days. And I came home on, like, a Wednesday, which was really the night this started kind of get real. So it was a hell of a day to get plugged back into the sports world. But, man, we went from one of the best times of the year to, like, you ever bet on darts? Like, it, this is it, – it went from 100 to zero in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm handicapping snooker, uh, snooker matches right now. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been tough sledding around the sports world. Yeah, it really has. Like, it's, 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 hopefully we get it back sooner than later. But uh, purpose for today is, obviously, you guys still are up and rolling. It is business. as I shouldn't say business as usual. But tell us what you got going on at the store. Because in this, definitely in this time, I, like people would definitely love to come by and get some really dank food to uh, self-quarantine with. So what you got going on right now? Well, uh, right now, I mean, uh, the big thing for everybody is uh, ground beef. Um, I had, um, we, yesterday, we sold 500 pounds of ground beef and we did 45 meatloaves at three pounds a pop. So that's a little over almost 150 pounds worth of meatloaves. So. You know, just people are uh, wanting ground beef and just stuff they can stock up in their freezer to where, you know, they can hunker down because, you know, this is a serious deal. Just, you know, uh, take care of yourself, you know, um, try to get as much supplies as you can while you're out. But, you know, uh, it's a, man, it's kind of an awkward situation. But, uh, yeah, LB's is going to be open regardless of every any situation. Um, we are a service to the community. We are pro- uh, providing food and uh, products so uh, people can stay at home and you know cook dinners uh, with their family and be with their family at this time. Everyone, like obviously, when this came out, it was a big deal in terms of like, particularly at a place like Oxford is hey local business. This is really going to impact them. But just for for you, you are kind of it. Like you you own a local business. Like give us a. Give us a, a yeah, man. Look, I I I didn't sleep for forty eight hours. Uh, I, you know, we feed the baseball team. I was feeding LSU Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We feed Ole Miss and uh, the softball and the baseball team Friday. And you know, uh, uh, this this town is a uh, revolves around those sports. We make money off the sports. We make money off of people coming in to you know watch the sports. And I promise you, I was you know. Um, just scared for my business you know i'm not scared for my health i'm scared for my business i mean i this is my life i do this you know i wake up every morning and you know i'm I'm happy to come to my work and i I love my business and you know i just was fearful for my business but uh it's just been overwhelming um i mean coach bianco sent me a personal text you know saying hey greg you know we uh, we know you lost uh, you know LSU. Is there any extra food we can take you know take buy and that sort of thing? And just the uh, the whole um, the whole ordeal has just been just been uh, you know kind of overwhelming. You know I just feel uh, you know I, you know you, you just, I feel bad for my friends that have lost their jobs and having to shut the restaurants down and everything over this situation. And uh, it's just kind of a tough deal for uh, everybody, but. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, small businesses are going to get hurt really hard, but uh, you know it's just uh, you got to hunker down and try to do what you can with the business that you have. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I'm uh, you know a, a mini style grocery store, and uh, 
we can provide product for you know people that need stuff and that sort of thing. So uh, it's uh you know it's just been it's just been real tough from, uh, the last week. But staying positive and you know making sure you know the shelves are stocked for people to come in and you know get stuff is just uh, you know what we're we're still concentrated on. You know keeping everything clean and keeping everything safe for you know our customers to come in and and get products. So. Um, you know, it's just been a tough time for uh, for Oxford, and you know uh, we're resilient. We're you know we're hardworking people, and uh, we're going to get through this. And uh, you know, it's just you got it's just going to have to be a you know a little bit to where you know you can get comfortable with things. So it's just tough tough situation right now. You kind of hit on it on the side I was getting to though, as as someone who's been around the community for a while, and I would say definitely LBs particularly synonymous with baseball but really just well known throughout the community as well and you know i can't tell you how many people i've had say they've tried you know x whatever you have going on at the store since you started sponsoring the show it, it had to have i guess i mean you, you you were talking before you started recording about how much ground beef you sold yesterday alone as tough as it's been i imagine the 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 response and i guess support from the community has to have been encouraging the last couple of days as well i, I, I mean i'm i mean like i said i'm speechless it's uh I, I i always i'm always in tears about it you know just sitting here you know talking to you about it um you know i just uh um it, it, it you know it's just like i said it's just been an emotional roller coaster and um you know just uh at one point, you know, I thought I was going to lose, you know, everything. And, I, you know, and I was just, you know, didn't know what the next day was going to be. And, you know, we're just taking it day by day right now. I've got an order coming in. We're about to run a a, meat, uh, a ground beef special. Um, I've or, I ordered every single eye of the, Wagyu eye of the round. That's what we uh, make our ground beef with is Wagyu eye of the round. So I ordered every one that my distributor had, and then um, he it just – just wasn't enough so we're going to grind up probably 175 pounds of wagyu out of the round and then uh i'm very fortunate that uh, my distributor evans meat out of birmingham um is going to do a thousand pounds of ground beef for me and uh we're going to have it they're going to have it packaged up in one pound packs and we're going to be running a special a five pound box for 40 bucks uh it's already you know vacuum sealed individually so uh you know it's just uh trying to provide a service because you know Kroger and Walmart and uh, Larson I don't think have ground beef I, I mean I've been told every person that has walked in and told me they're like man you know they don't have it you know so uh, it's just uh, you know like I said it's it's overwhelming the situation but we're trying to do our best with the situation and provide everybody you know with it you know it's just something we've had some people just you know come in and place an order of you know 40 pork chops, 40 chicken breasts, uh, you know, you know, 40 pieces, I mean, 10 pieces of fish, and just, you know, people just want to, you know, get their get their freezer taken care of to where, you know, they don't have to get out of their house, and they don't know, because they don't know, I mean, I don't know where it's coming from, and I don't, you know, I don't know where it is, and it's just that uncertainty is always just very, is, is what's so scary about it. I've seen all week you've been posted on social media. You have some, some ready-to-go type meals where you can kind of just take it and go. I saw meatloaf. You got anything else as far as that kind of going on? Yeah, I'm smoking uh, smoking two about four cases of ribs today. Um, you know, we'll have it wrapped up, ready to go to where you just put it in your oven, put it at like 200, 250 degrees for, for about 
you know, 25, 30 minutes and just kind of warm them up. Um, just trying to help our, our customers out with, you know, being able to, you know, provide a quick meal instead of having to do prep work and stuff like that. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just uh, trying to adjust with the situation. And uh, I'm very fortunate that, you know, we do a plate lunch up here and, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, we're still, we're doing it. I mean, the plate lunch today is just going to be ribs, sweet potato casserole, cornbread dressing, coleslaw and potatoes and, and uh, mustard greens. So uh, kind of, I've kind of like uh, scaled back on the lunches just because, uh, of the pro- uh, of the products, you know, I've got uh, we've got plenty of pork chops, I've got plenty of ground beef, we've got plenty of steaks, uh, we've got plenty of chicken. Uh, we just got a bunch of fresh fish. I got over, I would say, thirty pounds of salmon in, so it's already you know uh, uh, vacuum sealed up, and you can either cook it today or put it in your freezer. Uh, just we've got it, uh, you know, we're pretty much stocked through the gills and. If just uh, we can get on the uh, same level of communication with the customer and saying, hey, set me over this. That's why I kind of posted yesterday, uh, we're taking orders for ground beef. You know, if you want to call us in, you know, give us your name and number. We'll set it over the side. That way, you know for sure you have ground beef and, you know, that fear is, you know, is out of your mind. So, man, it's just, like I said, it's been overwhelming uh, and uh, just an emotional roller coaster and, you know, I just, you know, um, you know, all the small business in Oxford, you know, stay strong and, you know, we're going to get through this. You know, it's just, uh, it's just a tough spot right now. I told you before we started going that I'm going to come by today and uh, throw something on the grill for dinner. If I'm a, I, first of all, two part question. One, what would you recommend if I just want a nice solid steak? And two, a couple weeks ago. I was, I was, like, my roommate brought home some, like, I think his dad got a couple steaks or something. Anyway, he had an extra, but this charcoal grill we were having trouble with, so we actually threw it in the air fryer, and I was stunned at how good the steak was in the air fryer. Have you tried that? Would you recommend that? I was surprised yeah, at how good it was. Yeah, the air fryers are awesome. Uh, they're perfect for our sides, like the pop- jalapeno poppers, mushrooms, yeah. and asparagus. You know, just throw them in there for a little bit, you know. Um, but yes, I've had a lot of customers switch to the air fryer because it's just very easy and convenient. You just load it up, you know, and push it in, put the time, and it's done. So, um, when, uh, and that's another thing on charcoal grills is, you know, you got to get that consistent temperature, uh, you know, and it's hard to stay at a consistent temperature. So, on, on charcoal. I'm putting you on the spot, but last thing here on our pod today, we are doing the top sports performances or athletes you've just seen live. Anyone come to mind in particular? Uh, I would say the 2020 Ole Miss baseball team. That's I a mean, solid um, one. I, um, uh, it was a, that was a special group. I mean, if you would have told me that we would have won 16 games in a row and uh, they canceled the season on Friday of LSU weekend, I would have bet a million quadruple dollars on that, that they would never do that. But it is what it is. You know, I just feel bad. I'm, uh, I mean – my whole deal with the baseball team is, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't have a, a family, I mean, a wife and a kid and everything, and I treat those guys, and I've been treating those guys for the last, like, I don't know, since 2013. We've been feeding them plate lunches. We've been feeding them post-game meals, and, you know, I've uh, grown a solid connection to the baseball guys, and, uh, you know, I just feel for them, man. I'm, uh, that's just – it was a real tough deal. Coach Clem came in yesterday, and we talked for a solid two minutes, and, you know, he was just – 
you know, he, he was just floored, you know, and it's just a uh, tough deal, man, and uh, feel for those kids and, you know, feel for the program because, you know, I promise you, I mean, we could simulate the season for, on a supercomputer, but that team was going to Omaha, and they were going to be in the Final Four, I promise you. So, uh, But it's just tough, you know. Um, just my only advice now to you is, you know, turn the TV off. You know, if there's a um, if there's a person you're uh, interested in growing up, get their autobiography, read about them. Um, you know, just, you know, start doing things, you know, with your family. But just turn the TV off and just enjoy everything you got right now because, we don't have, we can't take anything for granted right now because we don't know what's out there and we don't know, you know, what's, uh, what can get us. So just, uh, you know, just uh, take every day one step at a time and just uh, be positive about everything you can do and, uh, you know, just keep moving forward. But, you know, we're going to get through this and, uh, man, it's just, like I said, tough times where we just got to stay positive about everything. Are you going to dabble into, I saw some, some, <laughs> Some books are offering esports. I think there's some darts, some pool. Are there any uh, like obscure sports you might just try your hand at? Because uh, I would say XFL, even though it's football, is pretty obscure, and you nailed that. Do you have any uh, any pool on the horizon? Well, you know, I've, I've been diving into the snooker. I'm just kidding, man. I, I haven't, I, man. The only thing I've done on my phone is post pictures of stuff that we've been doing at LBs, just to try to keep people updated on everything. Um, just. And that's what I've been trying to do is to stay away from social media because, uh, I mean, I've got friends that are having real bad anxiety about everything because, you know, they're watching the TV or they're watching, you know, Twitter or something like that. You know, uh, get on YouTube and, uh, you know, uh, put in your favorite uh, team and, you know, uh, put a good, you know, like, you know, if you're a Braves fan, you know, 92 Braves, you know, ALCS, I mean, NLCS, good one, you know. It's just, if, uh, you know, if you're – Saints fan, you know, watch the, rewatch the Super Bowl. You know, it's just, uh, man, you just got to get through it, and uh, we're going to get through it because, uh, you know, we're 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 resilient, and you know, we're Americans. So, I mean, when you know, like I said, that's what what's going to happen. Solid advice, Greg. I really appreciate it. I'll um, I'll come by. I'll see you this afternoon. We really appreciate you sponsoring the show and. Hopefully, we'll be back to having just uh, normal sports to bet on and everything going back to normal sooner than later. But I appreciate it, dude. Oh, yeah. Hang in there. I'll see what I can do on these. Uh, on these, uh, I think uh, the Japanese baseball league still playing, <laughs> so let's see if we can't get some uh, get some uh, weekend bets for the Japanese baseball league. Please report back on that for next week. I appreciate it, Greg. I'll see you around. Right. Thanks, as always. Appreciate you. So that was Greg. Uh, really appreciate him coming on. Really appreciate uh, him sponsoring the podcast. Go see him if you can. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, really rough time, obviously, for all local businesses around here, as as you heard him say. I'm going to go see Greg this afternoon and throw something on the grill this evening if it ever stops raining. Uh, but anyway, appreciate Greg. Hopefully, we can all get past this and get back to normal. And uh, back to him making money with XFL picks or whatever else he's betting on at this point. So anyway, the last thing we got for today was I, I lied. I said I was going to rank the hangover scenes, but I didn't get through both movies. But I will tease a couple of them. Uh, where do the hangovers rank for you in terms of like uh, humorous movies? Because they're my two favorite of all time. Uh, the second one, uh, I think, is, is it's still funny, but not near as good as the first one. And the first one needs to be in the conversation of greatest comedy of all time. Okay, good, because I'm in the same boat. I like the second one, too. Like like you mentioned, probably not as good. And then the third one I really just wasn't a fan of because, like, 
the first one is so great because it's like Vegas at the very end of the time before Vegas kind of became like a cliche. Like I've never even taken a Vegas trip, but you can tell now it's just kind of like a cliched thing. But back then it really wasn't. And like going through the scenes, this the, the, the best scenes are at the beginning of the movie when the entire group and Phil in particular doesn't really know what to think of Alan yet. Uh, or doesn't really know anything about him. So at the beginning of it, when they pick him up outside the school, and he's like, hey, who is this guy? And he's like, uh, you know, he's like, I'm Alan. I'm so-and-so's sister. Like, or We've met like five times. He's like, oh, yeah, what's up, man? Um, and that type of stuff. Those, to me, are the funniest scenes. And I was texting with a buddy before we started recording about that. But, like, you all, like, if you've ever been on a bachelor trip or something or just any kind of trip or whatever, and you have kind of the questionable guy that you're not really sure why he's there, but you're not going to question it. By the end of the trip, you're just kind of accepting of the weird shit that he does. To where at the beginning, you're like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? So, like, the beginning of that movie or when you get the classic, the classic scenes where he's talking about counting cards being a foolproof system. Uh, when... Um, when Doug asks him if, if the lane's okay to get over and there's clearly just an 18-wheeler yeah. all coming and they, they almost died, he goes, ah, Chloe almost died. Classic. Like, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is when they're sitting in the, the hotel waiting on uh, waiting on Alan to get back before they go out. And then, uh, and then Stu is telling them he's planning to propose to that total uh, witch lady that he's dating. And uh, they're all arguing, and he's telling them, like, Phil's telling him what a terrible mistake it is. And Alan walks in and just goes, you all ready to let the dogs out? And they all just stop what they're doing and look at him. They're like, what? And then Phil's like, who brought this effing guy along? <laughs> and then it leads into the scene with the man purse where they're waiting on the elevator. Are you really wearing that? It's like, what? It was the man purse. Goes, yeah, it's where I keep all my things. So, like, I'll, I'm partial to the scenes at the beginning of the movie where none of them really know Alan or yet, and they're like really just not sure what to make of him. <sighs> Man, uh, all of it. I, I mean, the uh, the Carlos where he's stacking yeah. his little weenus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, and it's it's perfect because like like you've all had a couple like you've all had a couple of those nights like whether it be in college or whatever where you're just kind of like. Uh, how did we make it home safely type of deal? And so that's obviously just like the extreme of it. Uh, the tiger scene where Alan's like tigers hate cinnamon. They love pepper um, type of deal. There's just so many to go through and I'll have a better idea of it on Monday, but that was what really stuck out for the first one is that I was really just kind of partial to the scenes at the beginning of the movie. Like I said, where they don't really know what to make of Alan yet by the end of it, they're just kind of used to him and, <laughs> But when they're just kind of appalled at his general just demeanor and behavior, like when they're getting gas or whatever and Phil's in line asking uh, asking Doug if he's all there and Alan is just harassing the old guy for looking at the convertible uh, at the gas pump. Like Those are some of my favorite scenes of the movie. But anyway, that's something we can get to on Monday. Uh, we got plenty of time to delay for ridiculous content like that. So I'll make it through the second one this weekend and get my favorite scenes out there. But uh Unless you got anything else, I think that's all we got for today. I think that's it, man. Well, we'll be back at stay it this isolated. afternoon. Yeah, just staying isolated. It's kind of a depressing depressing time. I'm hopefully maybe getting out to uh, responsibly social distance and play golf this weekend if you can get a decent weather day to tomorrow. Uh, the whole golf social distance thing is interesting. One person per cart, you leave the flag sticks in, 
And then a couple of the places I've seen, they brought the cup above ground to where if you just hit the cup, like you make the putt. Have you seen this? I have not seen that. That's that's interesting. Probably a, a little extreme, but yeah, I yeah, I don't really it. like that because like if you hit the cup, like what? Then there's no such thing as a lip out, you know? Like I'm I'm probably keeping the cup below ground unless the place I'm playing at doesn't have it. But I get the I've no seen a few courses close, and I keep thinking you guys have a golden opportunity here. Uh, you can still not be stupid because, and, and I was watching a good bit of the news this morning, and it certainly seems like it's it's appropriate it's not a hoax or whatever that if you're still being stubborn about social distancing it's probably best for you to just do it um and and stop your whining just effing do it but golf is a perfect way to be within the rules if you will and also give yourself something to do and these courses are closing and i keep thinking there's nothing else for these people to do. If you're an avid golfer, you've got nothing to do. You can't go to work. You're stuck at home. I need to do something. I would I would love to play golf this weekend, but the weather's going to suck. No, I, I couldn't agree it? more. It's the best place. I mean, it's one of the – I read a golf channel, I mean, a golf.com article uh, the other day. It's like, why it's the best place to be. Like, best place to be is probably a little bit extreme. But, but to your point, yeah, it's fun, particularly if you're playing by yourself. Like – it's a good way to kind of like the keep sane. the best way sane. to play golf, by the way. It means the best way to just stay sane right now, if nothing else, you know? Like, I, I agree. I don't understand golf courses closing. The golf courses around here, as far as I know, are not closing. But obviously, be responsible. You know, one person do a cart. I get the flag stick deal. All that type of thing. But yeah, closing, if you're a golf course right now, doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. Maybe if I get it, you have staff, like whatever. But like, I, I would think staying open would be a profitable move. But what have you. Anyway, we'll be back at it on Monday. We'll have the show this afternoon. We are doing the best athletes you've seen of all time. So we will have a probably a much larger response just based off the text line and everything we usually get when we got when we uh, do these type of things. So please tune in this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi, 3 to 6 p.m. We will be doing the same sort of thing we did on the podcast today. Borky and I will be back at it. On Monday, I'll actually rank the hangover scene. Sorry to leave people hanging on that if anyone was actually uh, anticipating that. But we'll do that. We'll have some other creative stuff, I'm sure, to come up with. But for Michael Borky, I am Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk Mississippi, 3 o'clock this afternoon. Go see Greg at LB's, and we'll be back at it on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.